Welcome to this week of Tell Me More, where I walk through spiritual gifts with Dr. Dennis Wiles. We'll talk about prophecy, tongues, just the idea of spiritual gifts in the church. And I hope you stick around and I hope it blesses you. Have a good week and thanks for joining us. Welcome to this episode of Tell Me More. I'm back in the studio with Dr. Dennis R. Wiles. Mm. Welcome, Pastor. Thank you. And as always, we're walking through your sermon from yesterday. Mm. And I just, I have some questions, some things you could tell me more about. Um, I did encourage one person yesterday, if between listening to the sermon on Sunday, and we record usually Monday mornings, it's Monday morning, if you have a question that's burning on your mind, feel free to email me or text me if you know it. My email is katie, K-A-T-Y dot Hodges, H-O-D-G-E-S at FBCA.org. But you can always shoot me a message on any platform if there's something that you want to know. If something piques your interest and you say, tell me more about this, then maybe it could even make it in, you know. So you've got a little 24-hour window to send me something or close to it. So anyway, but today I've made up all my own questions. Okay, good. Yeah, it's just us. And so you doing okay today, Pastor? I'm doing incredibly well. How about you? I'm fine. Okay. Pregnant, pregnant, pregnant with triplets. Pregnant as I've ever been. Here we go. <laughs> yes, but we're doing good. We're doing good. good. Not slowing down yet. Good. So, well. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yesterday, you walked us through 1 Corinthians 12. Correct. And you kind of had some excerpts mm-hmm. from it. We didn't mm-hmm. read the whole thing, but right. you went through it. Mm-hmm. But it's primarily concerning using spiritual gifts, mm-hmm. but using them in the church. Mm-hmm. Not just giftedness for the sake of giftedness, right. but giftedness for the sake of the church. Mm-hmm. Is that accurate mm-hmm. so far? Mm-hmm. And so... And, and, it was in a, and it's in a... First Corinthians twelve is in a, as I said, Sonny, in a, in a context of a question, evidently from the Corinthians. Yeah, because it starts you know, out now concerning, now about, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not making this up. Yeah. It's probably something you've asked me That's about. Right. Yeah. No, he's yeah. not just mm-hmm. mad at him about something Correct. writing, which he does. Right. But not this time. Right. Good. And it, probably a part of an ongoing conversation they've already been having, mm-hmm. you know, and now they're asking him a little bit more about it. So, so. do you think? Can, can we speculate? What was the problem? Mm-hmm. What would they have been writing to him that they mm-hmm. don't understand about spiritual mm-hmm. gifts? I think if you if uh, if you look at twelve, thirteen, and fourteen, mm-hmm. they to me they they all they go together, fit together. Yeah, it seems that the challenge was in these house churches scattered all over Corinth. We're not sure how many of them they were, but we, but we know that the church was growing, and so they were adding to the number. Mm-hmm. And so when these um, groups of Christians were meeting in these homes across the city, they're worshiping God. Well, the people in that pagan culture were accustomed to worship. They they hmm. they were in a very spiritual context. But what about Christian worship? And we have, um, you know, we have evidence of 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 what happened when Christians got together to worship. It was in some ways modeled more on kind of on the synagogue worship experience rather than a temple experience for the Jews. So the early church adopted that. So you had more some, synagogue than temple, right? Okay. So you didn't have a sacrifice, in other words. Ah. You didn't have a priest overseeing things. Mm-hmm. Um, you had a, a, a different skill set, if you will, shepherding, teaching, preaching, prophesying, mm-hmm. proclaiming. So you would mm-hmm. gather and you would. Uh, they would sing. They had uh, music that was a part of their worship. They would take the Lord's Supper, as you and I would call it today. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they also had the discussion of the revelation of God, Scripture, conversations mm-hmm. about Scripture, conversations about what, what the Christian message was all about. And so as they were doing that, you also have the Spirit of God now at work because we're, we're post-Pentecost. Mm-hmm. So at Pentecost, um, you can look at Pentecost as being the, 
what John Stott says is the final saving act of Jesus. Hmm. You know, he's he's was birthed and lived among us, the incarnation on you know full expression, a full human being, God in the flesh, Jesus experiencing everything we experience as humans. And teaching us, modeling for us, showing us, demonstrating to us what it can look like when the kingdom of God is present. But then ultimately, you know, him dying on the cross for Mm -hmm. our sin, being resurrected from the dead, being ascended to the Father. Hmm. Then he sends the Spirit of God. So that's the understanding that God the Father and God the Son both send the Spirit. Mm -hmm. You know, the church has kind of quibbled about that through the years, as you probably know. Some think, Mm -hmm. well, God Mm -hmm. sent the Son and God sent the Spirit. But but I think I'm comfortable saying God the Father and God the Son sent the Spirit. Now, now the Spirit of God is given at Pentecost. Mm -hmm. So now we're in the age of the Spirit. So the Spirit of God is on display in the lives and through the lives of believers. But also relatively new to them. Very new. This whole idea. That's correct. That we all have the Spirit within us. Right. Which leads to... The giftedness. Right. Hmm. And then, okay, we've got some questions because... Um, the way the gifts are described in the New Testament, some of them are very public. Some of them are more private. Mm-hmm. So speaking in tongues or prophesying, giving proclamated, a, a proclaimed truth, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're proclaiming truth. Some of them are. Some of them are speaking in tongues, unintelligible utterances. We can talk about that here in a few minutes. Yep, but like So the question is, when they're gathering for worship, uh, there seems to have been a certain level of chaos, for lack of a better word, Mm. in these worship services. And the Corinthians wanted to know, what about that? How are we supposed to manage this? How do we build order in these services when we've got people, you know, demonstrating these very public gifts? And they were becoming a point of distraction rather than edification for the church. So Paul says, okay, now, Concerning the spiritual gifts, concerning spiritual things, you know, as I said Sunday morning, that that um, that particular word in Greek could be concerning spiritual people, but most of most scholars think it's really more neuter that than noun, masculine. Yeah, that, it could it, be it, masculine or neuter because Greek sometimes the endings uh-huh. can be the same. Yep, context usually dictates that for us. Mm-hmm. So the word could is the word for things or Correct. people, but it or depends people. on how we use spiritual it. Spiritual things or spiritual people. Yeah, I think most most in folks would say uh, spiritual things, spiritual gifts. Okay. So. Paul says, okay, let me let me address this. But instead of directly starting with tongues and prophecy, mm-hmm. he says, let me just explain the whole thing to you. Let me explain to you the the gifting of the Spirit and it and the and how those gifts now are to be used through the church. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of pneumatology, a little bit of ecclesiology. Mm-hmm. Then 1 Corinthians 13, where it's almost like Paul says, you know, no matter what you guys uh figure out in terms of how to do this. If you don't love one another and and demonstrate the love of Christ, it really doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you know. He, yeah, he kind of reframes it for me. Yeah, he does. He really puts a, a word there about love. Then you get to chapter fourteen, and it's like he says, "Okay, now well, let about. me explain to you <laughs> <laughs> tongues like, and prophecy." I'm looking at my NIV. In intelligibility in worship is the headline yeah. in chapter 14. I mean, <laughs> he goes right back into, right. but here's That's some practical right. tips and tricks right. for what, what you're going to do yeah. in worship. Yeah. Try to make yeah. it more ordered. So it it doesn't serve as a distraction for believers and confusion for unbelievers. Okay. So that's what's going on here. That's what they're trying to figure out mm-hmm. and how to do it. Mm-hmm. So one thing you mentioned in the sermon yesterday that I want to ask more about is this idea that spiritual gifts, we may not, if they're not listed in the Bible, mm-hmm. that may that's uh, might be okay. Mm-hmm. Like that's not mm-hmm. an end-all, be-all list mm-hmm. of the gifts mm-hmm. that the Spirit could give. Mm-hmm. Can you say more mm-hmm. about that? What your thoughts on that are? Yeah, you know, and... Uh, 
I would say that um, New Testament interpreters probably disagree about this. You know, some would adopt a more rigid view and say, okay, the gifts of the Spirit. Well, let's go to the New Testament and find all of them. Okay, mm-hmm. here they all are. Here's an exhaustive mm-hmm. list. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I guess the reason I'm, a, I'm a not quite as comfortable with that is that Paul doesn't list all of them every time. So he discusses this in 1 Corinthians 12, mm-hmm. and, and uh, he's going to delineate a little bit more in, in chapter 14. But then you'll read Romans 12 and read Ephesians 4, and he lists these gifts, uh, but he doesn't list all of them every time. And he lists them a little bit. There's a little bit different language used. So it leads me to believe that we've got to trust the Spirit of God to gift the church for whatever era the church mm-hmm. is in. And so, so there may I'm, be gifts that are specific to that's that right. time. Now, okay. that doesn't mean – now, now when you adopt that view, some people go, oh, okay, we know what you're doing. You're now going to say, well, tongues are no longer – that's no longer a valid mm, gift. They were good prophecy. in that time. That's right. It was good back then. Mm-hmm. That's not the point I'm making. That's not what you're trying to say. What I'm saying is I think there may be even more than yeah. the ones that are listed. Because there is than, an argument with tongues. And that's right. We could talk about that that's too. That's right. Mm-hmm. But that it might have been good for a mm-hmm. season to build the church that's and, right. and no longer. Right. No, you're, that's you're the not. cessationist view. In other words, mm-hmm. that – these gifts are for the apostolic era and they cease. My my challenge with that interpretation is, well, who's in charge of which gifts no longer <laughs> are valid? You know, who gets to make that decision? Yeah. Oh, well, we don't have those anymore. Oh, really? Okay. Well, who, who met and decided right. that? And part of that, and maybe we can talk about tongues a little bit more in a minute, but from my experience overseas, mm-hmm. I mean, the Western world, yeah. I have not experienced many, a, a little bit, mm-hmm. I have, but of people speaking in tongues mm-hmm. and using that as a spiritual gift mm-hmm. to build up the church. Right. However... If you journey to Africa, mm-hmm. Asia, right. I mean, any of our non-Western world mm-hmm. friends mm-hmm. and church brothers and sisters, some of these gifts are very much... Correct. Oh, the, the manifestation mm-hmm. of the Spirit looks mm-hmm. a little different. Yes, like healing. Again, yeah. If, yeah. You, if you say, well, the apostolic era ended in the first century, and these kind of uh, sign gifts, if you want to call them mm-hmm. that, well, they ended with the apostles. Well, mm-hmm. again... You know, there's nothing in the New Testament that teaches that, and I would adopt a different view. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is, I believe these gifts that are listed in the New Testament are valid spiritual gifts for all time as the Spirit decides. Mm-hmm. But I would also say there may be others that aren't even listed here that may be needed in the life of the church for a particular era, and I'm trusting the Spirit of God to equip the church to do that. You know, So, for example, yeah. uh, music is not listed as a gift. Yeah, you mentioned that. However— gift. It's a huge part of what we oh do. My goodness! Think about the musicians, the, the Christian musicians, who have shaped the worship life of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, uh, <laughs> you know, I would I would probably argue that there's a there's a a sense of the phenomena, if you will, phenomenon of the Spirit of God at work in a person's life, who can use those gifts to edify the church. Mm-hmm. It's not specifically listed in the New Testament. But I do think it's probably valid. So that's mm-hmm. my point. That's why I'm, as much as I appreciate and I'm grateful for these spiritual gift inventories that you can take, I think mm-hmm. those are really good and mm-hmm. helpful as long as we realize they're not exhaustive. In right. my opinion, they're not exhaustive. And most of those list exactly what Paul listed. Correct. I mean, they're not, that is correct. They're not going that's right. that rogue, mm-hmm. we would say. Yeah, which, which, again, I wouldn't do either. I just don't want to limit the Spirit of God in any, any era of Christianity. And uh, it's not that I have necessarily... Um, uh, it's not like I can point to a text and say, well, see, this text tells me in the Scripture that mm-hmm. there's a validity in that view. It's just my sense that when I look at what God has done historically, it appears to me that he's equipped the church historically for what's needed during that era. So that's why I'm 
Mm-hmm. I'm not opposed to the view that, okay, everything may not be necessarily spelled out. I like it. So that's my perspective. Well, I like it. I will now adopt that perspective. <laughs> no, I like it, though. I think it yeah. leads us. We have to seek God and mm-hmm. his gifts for mm-hmm. us in this season. Mm-hmm. So I yeah, like and it. And I I'm, trust the I'm Spirit of God. It. You know, and mm-hmm. now when I was a kid growing up, be honest with you, um, the Holy Spirit made us a little nervous. Um, you know, we were we were King James only people in those days, yes. so we referred to him as the Holy Ghost. Oh, <laughs> and, ooh, uh, spooky! And so uh, it is October. That's right. Ooh. And uh, and oftentimes with an it and not a he. And it wasn't that we didn't believe that in the Trinity. It's just that the that we were more comfortable with the other two members of the Trinity. Right. To be honest with you, and if you're referring to something as a ghost, yeah, it's easy to call it. That's an right. It. That's right. correct. And yep. so. And then not only that, as I came into, uh, as I began to emerge into adulthood, the charismatic movement grew rapidly across the U.S., the Assembly of God movement primarily. Of course, it's grown incredibly rapidly across the world, but it grew across the U.S. in the 70s, you know. Mm-hmm. And we as Baptists were a little more charisphobic than we were charis. Uh, mm-hmm. We weren't adopting the charismatic mm-hmm. view. <laughs> we were a little mm-hmm. fearful of it. So, yeah. um, but so anything do, too spiritual yeah, a little, makes a little can nervous. spook you. Correct. But yeah, in due could, time. Could spook you. Yeah, yep. what I would say is what's happened to me. There's no question. Um, I, I was I was impacted by one of my professors at Southwestern Seminary, Dr. Mm-hmm. Jack Gray. Mm-hmm. Um, when I arrived in seminary, Dr. Gray had had this incredible encounter with the Spirit of God that changed his mm-hmm. life. And so one of the things that he challenged us to do was to open ourselves to the Spirit without fear. Mm-hmm. And so that really changed yeah. me, changed my view of the scripture, changed my view of the role of the Holy Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I am open to the work of the Spirit of God, period, <laughs> whatever you know, that means. For Ryan and I, we went to um, a gathering a few years ago called Missio Alliance. Mm-hmm. And it's a, I mean, you've been to Missio, mm-hmm. but for those listening, it's, it's, a, it's a conference, but it's ecumenical, multi-denominational. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a movement of centrist Protestants Correct. in the U.S. I mm-hmm. like it a lot. Mm-hmm. I think we may do more and more with them, mm-hmm. actually, as den- denominationalism changes mm-hmm. and this, if mm-hmm. we can get some traction. Anyway, but we were at a, we were at Missio, and Greg Boyd, who I don't agree with everything Greg mm-hmm. Boyd does, theologian, mm-hmm. but he talked about spiritual warfare particularly, mm-hmm. and it was very challenging for Ryan and I because, you know, his story, although far, far-fetched in the sense that it acknowledged spiritual warfare, was something that we, we thought we maybe needed to look more into, and it really ch- challenged our posture toward the spiritual realm around us, because we can dismiss things pretty mm-hmm. easily in mm-hmm. the in the Western, like we talked about, the Western culture, mm-hmm. to say, well, that's that's mental health or that's something else. And he was describing a situation, and it really made us. Anyway, for the rest of the conference, Ryan and I pretty much followed him around because he he would do a breakout <laughs> session over here, right. speak at this thing, and mm-hmm. we thought we're really interested in this is a challenge for us in our Baptist backgrounds. Mm-hmm. I grew up Methodist, but I mean it's similar, mm-hmm. a little more buttoned up, a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, wrote and rehearsed. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you're not going to have a worship service that just goes off the hinges Correct. more often than not. Mm-hmm. And so it's really challenging for mm-hmm. us, but helpful mm-hmm. to expand. And that was probably four or five years ago, mm-hmm. just to think about mm-hmm. where the spirits at work, mm-hmm. good and bad spirits mm-hmm. at work in our life and mm-hmm. how the Holy Spirit can help guide us. So, mm-hmm. And anyway. all that, when you think about it, is is taken for granted in, by the New Testament writers. It's, yeah, it's just you know assumed, mean, right? Is, like, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because they live in, warfare. we've talked about this, they live in a spiritual yeah, world. Absolutely. It's just not necessarily that they're claiming mm-hmm. Jesus, but That's they're right. happy to mm-hmm. They're happy to engage with religion, mm-hmm. spirituality, mm-hmm. much more than today. Mm-hmm. And and not that you dismiss the rationality of our faith, mm-hmm. but we, we lean so hard in that direction. When something begins to happen, oftentimes we just look at it as well, it's just, this is just what happens in the world. Yep. 
when it could be the work of dark forces that right. we have to, as Christians, know exist yeah. and believe in. Right, which <laughs> makes me a little uncomfortable because <laughs> right. we are, you know, we're kind of scientific method people. We are. We are. But mm-hmm. we don't worship the scientific that's method. Exactly. You know, right. so right. that's very uh, challenging. So, it's good to think mm-hmm, about and talk mm-hmm. about. But okay, spiritual gifts. And I do want to, in a minute, we'll talk about tongues some more because okay. I'm interested in, the, in okay. this context, what right. that is. But mm-hmm. there's one thing you talked about yesterday that I think is really helpful. When we talk about prophets mm-hmm. in our church or our culture, mm-hmm. you, you talked about, we think about people who are going to maybe stand in the midst of a crowd and say, there's a meteor coming. <laughs> You better buckle up. You know, <laughs> the end is near. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> right. And that's kind of the modern-day prophet might right. be speaking of they're, they're predicting the future. Mm-hmm. When you're saying a prophet in this setting, and even mm-hmm. in some of our Old Testament writings, mm-hmm. is more just a truth-teller. Mm-hmm. They're just telling the truth about mm-hmm. what's going on. So mm-hmm. can you tell us more about that mm-hmm. and that distinction? And Because we have both, mm-hmm. but I think we might not acknowledge the, just the truth-teller among mm-hmm. us in the prophet right. today. Well, um, I do think it's, it's a both-and. And and the reason that I wanted to point it out yesterday to the church is that I think that we do go to seed on the futuristic um, side of prophecy. That when we think of a prophet, well, that's somebody who is, you know, predicting the future. Mm-hmm. And and there is there is that element there that's available. Of course, it's not, it's not always what the prophet does, but it, sometimes it happens as the spirit of God leads. And so when we when we refer to actually the um, the section of scripture in the old testament we refer to these as the as the prophets mm-hmm. the major prophets yeah. the minor prophets mm-hmm. but sometimes their messages were just to the heart of the people right then who, who in fact every time their message was to the people who were mm-hmm. right then in their context yeah. now sometimes the the vision god gave them was for the future mm-hmm. but oftentimes it was to speak directly sometimes into the lives saying, of the people sometimes they're saying i don't want your burnt offerings that's i want right. your heart you got, i mean that's yeah. not I mean, future telling yes. that's Hosea, that's, yeah. you know, Micah, mm-hmm. these Amos, these these were preachers, you know, who were speaking God's truth into the heart of Israel mm-hmm. at a unique time in history. So in the New Testament, so in Corinth, mm-hmm. I mean, we're look what you were talking about yesterday, mm-hmm. prophets and prophetesses, correct, in them both are not necessarily speaking to the Corinthians about what's coming, correct. They're calling them out, speaking mm-hmm. the truth into mm-hmm. their context, mm-hmm. correct, which, as as led by the Spirit of God. It's a gift from the Spirit of God. And so God gives insight and wisdom into what's occurring right now in the mm-hmm. lives of God's people and gives the prophet an understanding of the actual teachings of God, the truths of God, mm-hmm. and then the ability to proclaim that fearlessly. Mm-hmm. And so I believe that the prophets in the church at Corinth, prophets today, would be people who are telling the truth about who God is, what God is is leading us to understand and to know, hmm. and and it can and, and I like I like that imagery because it it reminds um, the 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 person who has that gift that you can't become so engrossed by the culture that you're no longer able to critique what's happening so that you can see things clearly mm-hmm. and speak to it, mm-hmm. and so. We, we use language that way. We say, man, this person was speaking prophetically to the church. Mm-hmm. That may not mean they're talking about the future. They're talking about right but now. But they have a discernment, a clarity Correct. to say this is really that's the way right. it is. And, and I would tell you that that's a part of my calling. You know, I don't call myself a prophet, mm-hmm. but I would say that in the New Testament sense, when I'm proclaiming truth and I've prepared it and I've, I've prayed and I'm ready and I believe it's a word from mm-hmm. God, there's a sense that that's a prophetic voice mm-hmm. to the church. And it may transcend... Our little worlds, correct. you know, what we're thinking about every That's day. That's correct. And mm-hmm. so these folks in the New Testament had that gift. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it might have been a word about the future. You know, Agabus 
you know, comes to the church at Antioch and says, hey, God has spoken to me. There's going to be a famine in Jerusalem. Well, that was a prophetic word um, about the future, and the church responded to that. So you do have that, of mm-hmm. course. Mm-hmm. But the more run-of-the-mill, if I can call it that, mm-hmm. um, the, role, the run-of-the-mill role of the prophet in the life of the church in uh-huh. the first century was truth-telling, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I think that's borne out as we just look at what these folks did and how the, how they're kind of referenced in the mm-hmm. New Testament. And so, interestingly enough, um, at Pentecost, um, Peter stands up and says, hey, I know what this is. This is this is Joel. Hmm. When God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on you and uh, your sons and daughters will prophesy. In mm-hmm. other words, my people are going to proclaim truth. They're going to be anointed by me, filled by my spirit to do that. Mm-hmm. So I shouldn't be surprised that in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, okay, men, now, when you stand up in the in the congregation in one of these worship services to prophesy, mm-hmm. don't don't do something that's so culturally repugnant that nobody can hear your message. Mm-hmm. So don't cover your hair, cover your head, and act like you're not a man. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't, why would you do that? Don't do that. Mm-hmm. You've got, does that tell us something was going on in Corinth? I'm not really sure. But then he turns right around and says, women, when you stand up to prophesy, to pray mm-hmm. in the worship service, Cover your head. Don't 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 flaunt your freedom in Christ, so to mm-hmm. speak. Because there seems to be this underlying view there in Corinth, Katie, that a lot of scholars believe, uh, Dr. Garland would be one of them, mm-hmm. that there was this sense that um, the kingdom of God has already come in its fullness. Mm-hmm. That, that, that it's kind of a um, an overuse of eschatology. Mm-hmm. And what Paul seems to be saying is, no, the kingdom of God's been established. Yes, the kingdom of God is here. Yes, but it hasn't been fully consummated. Yeah, so don't, don't act like everything's fullness. over, yeah. you know. And so yeah. don't abandon every cultural standard so that then you no longer mm. become relevant or nobody can even hear you. Mm. And so he says, so let me— You let still me, exist in a culture. That's right. So mm-hmm. let me res- remind you, be respectful of some of that mm-hmm. whenever you're prophesying mm-hmm. so that the church can hear your message and be edified and not be distracted and so that even— unbelievers who come to the service won't be confused Mm -hmm. that they can still hear the message. So, um, you know, we can talk later about some modern day examples of that. But what I would say is the point being the word of prophecy was not just about the future. It was about right now and how Mm -hmm. to live this life Mm -hmm. based upon the truths of God. And the prophets were sharing those messages. Mm -hmm. Not, not unusual. I mean, think about, you you remember when David makes this massive mistake with Bathsheba. Okay. Mm -hmm. And Nathan the prophet, yep, here he comes. has this conversation with, this, with, with David. This metaphor, right? He doesn't point to the future. He tells him this story. Remember mm-hmm. of this man who had Shepherd, all the yeah. all the sheep that he wanted, and but it, there was one man in the kingdom who had that one little ewe lamb, and this very wealthy man who had all this all these flocks at his disposal goes and gets that one ewe lamb. And David says, "Well, that man, okay, mm-hmm. that that man's in my kingdom. We we got to do something yep. about that man." And then Nathan the prophet says, "You are that man. Yeah, you so are that man. That, what a statement, right? But that's not wasn't telling the future. The, it was proclaiming the, the Assyrians truth are going to come wipe us out or whatever right. that might be. That's yeah. Right. yeah, it was a word about right now. Well, yeah. that is the role of a prophet, mm-hmm. Old and New Testament. And so the Old Testament, New Testament, but modern day where we are now." You think the same thing? I do. I think maybe more than ever. I do. The role of a prophet mm-hmm. is to be a, a truth teller. Correct. In the midst of right. chaos. And in and in our world today, mm-hmm. our context today, twenty uh, first century America, which is where I am, I agree with you, Katie. There's there's a certain there's a certain provincialism in Western Christianity 
that's unfortunate. Mm. Um, you know, Dr. Bill O'Brien used to tell me all the time, uh, he used to be the one of the vice presidents at the International Mission Board, one, one of the men that really helped shape my missiology. He used to say, okay, think of the church as a global church, and every part of the church brings its giftedness to the global church mm. family. Mm -hmm. The Western church has a role to play. Yeah. It is it is a it is a resourcing part of the body of Christ. That's what he would say. Our, our role is right. We we we've had the advantage in mm -hmm. some ways uh, to be able do. to play that role. We have resources. We have means. Correct. Mm -hmm. We do, and we've had freedom, mm -hmm. and so we've been able to grapple with some things and come to grips with some things, and also provide resources for the fuller body of Christ. But the danger is, and he was he would caution me is that you know you you can get so provincial in your views that you see yourselves as superior than, or you're kind of the full flower of Christianity, mm -hmm. <laughs> so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget one time he said, um, just to challenge me in that point, I said, well, help me understand, you know, how that fits into the global body of Christ. He said, well, let me give you an example. He said, I've just gotten back from a conference um, in, um, he was in, in Asia. And he said, we're, we're in this meeting and there's about, there were about 50 pastors in the room. And one of the pastors stands up and says, look, I'm sorry, I want to participate in this conversation and I really want to help with this because I think this is important and we need to we need to help bring some clarity to this and make some decisions. However, I've just received a message from my community and I need to get back home because one of our elders has died and he's only been dead for a couple of hours and I need to get back there quickly so that I'll have time perhaps to raise him from the dead. Mm. Because once it goes on so long, we know that's no longer possible, but we've seen God do this. And so I need to go. So the guy just leaves the meeting, bolts out and Bill O'Brien. To says, go raise a man from the dead. Correct. And just says it. Correct. Okay. And Bill says, I'm sitting there thinking, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't do that. We don't raise people. <laughs> and the guy acted like, well, this is what we do sometimes, but I only have a certain window of time. I have to go. And he leaves. Yeah. Now, I never heard the story that the guy raised the guy from the dead, but just the fact that this Christian pastor had done it in the past mm -hmm. and had this view, it just challenged me to think about mm -hmm. how smug I am sometimes. And, well, you know, I just don't believe the church speaks in tongues anymore. Or, you know, I don't think that kind of, I mean, yeah. come on now. I'm, I'm, right. the, the Spirit of God is at work in the body of Christ in ways that I can't fully imagine. I still have to live in my cultural context, if you will, but I do it lightly, so to speak. That's probably what Dr. O'Brien taught me. Don't don't feel like you've got all the answers. That's that's why um, I, I said earlier, I'm open to more gifts from the Spirit than I probably even recognize. So because I don't want to be so um, contextualized by my Western context that I miss out on the work of God around the world. I think that's a good word for us. So, <laughs> yes, and. Here's a little plug. If you haven't been around the world, I mean, I've been some places, not around the world, but we do have a lot of opportunity. We do. If you're interested in exposure mm -hmm. to other cultures mm -hmm. and therefore the Christian church in other places, mm -hmm. we, our Global Ministries yeah. really does give you opportunity. We can help so you do that. So call us up and we can help you with that. <laughs> and so, it can stretch you. <laughs> so, okay, one note I have, we're going to move on to, to tongues if okay. you're up for it. But sure. I want to say, if you're listening and you're thinking, okay, there's a lot in here about women, mm -hmm. particularly. Mm -hmm. Women covering their heads, women, you know, we'll get to right. women speaking in church, mm -hmm. but I will let you know we're not skirting around it. Right. We're going to face it, but not in this podcast. Correct, yeah. Because you're mm -hmm. probably going to talk about it at least on a Wednesday. That's right. And then maybe that'll even come in here. Right. And so if you're mm -hmm. wondering about it, don't worry, but the time mm -hmm. we get to the end of the Corinth study, mm -hmm. we will have covered we it. We will. We will talk about it. And I'll make sure. I'll, I'll make sure of that. <laughs> but I've heard some people ask me about that. And so, yeah. and that's good. They're interested because sure. it is, 
like you said, we're walking through First Corinthians, and we, we have to be good students of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we'll we will do that. Mm-hmm. We promise. So Absolutely, that's good. Okay, one mm-hmm. other thing to just a side note. Last week I called out Luke, and then I pushed the buttons, and no noise happened. Oh, no, and then we th- we so think it was we think it was muted, but mm, let's try again. <laughs> is that the one we really wanted for right now? Oh, well, none of them are labeled. Okay. <laughs> Wait, let's try. There I don't is. know. There none of, there's eight buttons here. None of them are labeled, so it's a real crapshoot on what we're going to get okay, every good. single time. But um, we'll see if that works. Yeah, let us know. Yeah, Luke didn't even try any of that. You know, Luke, well, I mean, was his first he time. He was very focused. He was very good, but he did not use the buttons well. I also did not use the buttons well, but I did use them. So anyway, I do want to talk about tongues because mm-hmm. you made an interesting distinction yesterday mm-hmm. in your sermon that... When this said tongues, it wasn't like Pentecost, Mm -hmm. where they were all speaking languages, Mm -hmm. but just not languages that each other understood. Correct. You're saying in this context, in this Corinthian church context, Mm -hmm. they're speaking unintelligible Mm -hmm. languages. Mm -hmm. And so how do we know Mm -hmm. the difference? I mean, Mm -hmm. when do you know someone speaking in tongues and needs an interpreter, therefore it's, it could be, you know, all that. Can you kind of get into some of that and just that spectrum of, obviously it's, Again, one of those that we're not particularly comfortable with, mm-hmm. but we have to acknowledge mm-hmm. it, even Paul's like, there's a place for it, mm-hmm. and here's what it is. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us more right. about that? Well, here, here's probably what I would say, um, a, a kind of an easy rule of thumb, reading the New Testament in English. Easy rule of thumb. If you can use the word, because the word tongues, glossolalia, that is the word for for unintelligible utterances. That is the word for language in the New Testament. Same so, word. Same word in yep. Greek. Okay. So easy rule of thumb, if you can insert the word language and it makes sense, it means language. If it doesn't make sense, it's tongues. It's this unintelligible. It's unintelligible. Tongue. So for example, yep. Pentecost, how is it that in Acts chapter two, they ask the question, how is it that we can hear these people speaking in languages mm-hmm. in which they're not trained? Mm-hmm. So but we're recognizing it as That's right. You put the word languages. language in there and it makes perfect sense in Acts two. You put the word language in it in First Corinthians twelve thirteen and fourteen. It doesn't. Hmm. Okay. Um, why Why would you need interpreters? You know. So So in 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 the book of Acts, Acts chapter two rather, these disciples begin to proclaim truth, mm-hmm. and people were there from all over the world, all over the known world. Mm-hmm. They would say, so "Let's give Luke credit." All over the known world. Yes. And. Um, and so um, they could; they didn't have to have an interpreter. They understood exactly what they were saying. And they mm-hmm. said, how is it that we're all understanding this? Mm-hmm. Languages. In 1 Corinthians 12, mm-hmm. he says, if someone stands up speaking tongues and you don't have an interpreter, then have the person sit down. There's a, there's a sense in which there's this gift from God that is highly spiritual in nature, and it leads a person to be able to begin to express themselves in a way that's not a human language. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's done in private prayer. Mm-hmm. We have many examples of that, and we have a lot of testimony about that. I think, in fact, I I think I read, and maybe maybe this was not right. I'm almost positive though that I read a couple of weeks ago that Max Lucado had said hmm. that he had noticed in his personal prayer time he has started to pray in unknown tongues. Hmm. I have several colleagues that do that, okay. um, but there's no need for an interpreter because it's 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 something that is allowing yeah. that individual to express themselves in a unique, powerful way, intimate way with God that God understands. Right. You don't need. Right. There's not bystanders That's that are right. lost. Correct. Right. Okay. But it's a, and it and allows a certain. Um, uh, it's an exhilarating kind of thing that allows this person to express something to God that they don't fully even comprehend, but but the Spirit of God does. Hmm. So that's one thing. But when that happens in a worship service, Paul is going to tell us 
uh, in 1 Corinthians 14, okay, now I know this happens. So when it happens, there also needs to be someone in, within the body that day in that service who will stand up and say, Katie has just spoken in tongues. Here's what Katie is. So here's the message God's giving us through mm -hmm. her. So that person is the one person in the congregation who has another spiritual gift, mm -hmm. and that's the gift of interpreting tongues. Right, and those are very complementary. That's right. I mean, they go together. Why would you have yeah. the gift of interpreting languages, right. tongues? Tongues, right. If, um, if nobody was going to speak right. in tongues. Yeah, you, you, know? you're, you can't use it unless right. someone else is faithful to use theirs. Correct. So. And so you speak in tongues, someone interprets it. But every spiritual gift, regardless of what it is, is under the control of the person who has it, no matter what the gift is. Hmm. Everybody is in control of being able to utilize one of the, one of the when you look at the fruit of the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. one of the expressions of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is self-control. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the Spirit of mm -hmm. God doesn't contradict himself. So Paul says, all right, in the worship service, it's very chaotic, not enough order. Those of you that are prophesying... Make sure that you uh, you abide by these standards. Make sure that you're really hearing this word from God. And he gives them instructions about the word of prophecy. Then he says, now those of you that are speaking in tongues, speaking in tongues is fine. It's a gift of the Spirit. However, there needs to be an interpreter. If there's not an interpreter, then you just sit down and you just you just maintain the control over that gift. So it's not like it's just so mm. ecstatic you that you're in this trance mm. and you just can't, it doesn't matter. I don't yeah. care if there's not an interpreter. I'm doing it anyway. Yeah. No. You have control. That's right. You have mm -hmm. the ability at least to control it some, at some level. It doesn't mean that you manufacture it. It doesn't mean that you're always in charge of when it occurs necessarily. Mm -hmm. But whether you express it or not is what's under your control. That's good. And okay? there's ownership there. That's right. Yeah. And responsibility. And it's mm -hmm. also for the, remember, it's for the edification of the full body, not to call attention to the individual person. So in Paul's context, spiritual manifestations were just just very much um, appreciated in the Corinthian culture and were kind of viewed as a superior thing. You know, you, you've kind of achieved a certain level. You've got this ability to just fall into a trance and experience this ecstatic utterance. Mm -hmm. Well, Paul said, well, that happens in the, in, the, in, in the pagan world. Again, Katie, it was a very demonic world. These were there were spiritual forces at work. So if you think that demons can't give people the ability to do some of these things, well then you don't understand the spiritual forces of darkness because the spiritual forces of darkness like to imitate the things of God all the time and make things appear that they're really good when they're not. So there were people and we have evidence of ecstatic utterances in pagan worship services. That wasn't that uncommon. Mm -hmm. Paul is saying in the in the Christian context is being done for a reason, and it's being done to give a word to the church. And the only way for the church to hear that word is not to be enamored by the person with the gift of tongues, but to actually hear the message from mm -hmm. them that's intended for them and can only be given through the interpreter. And that's a good. I think that's a good word for our church mm -hmm. in giftedness. Mm -hmm. You know, if we think about what we talked about, you talked about modern day giftedness, mm -hmm. I mean, preaching or music. Mm -hmm. Great, but if it's not used with the right intent, That's it right. can be manipulated to Absolutely. really dis distract people, mm -hmm. pull them away, mm -hmm. and not for their edification, mm -hmm. and not to build mm -hmm. up the body, but to use it for personal gain mm -hmm. or fame yeah. even. That's right. And, and, you, and that's you know, common today. It's like that you have this group of, I don't know, Christian superstars, so to speak. Yeah. You know? And we do have – and now there's pastors who have – become popular because they're good preachers. Right. And then there's this other thing that's celebrity pastors. Correct. It's like their goal Those are two is different to things. be popular. They're two Same with Christian things. musicians. You got it. Two and we have things. to be careful mm -hmm. on what, mm -hmm. what who we elevate, right. who we listen to. Correct. So when, so when I'm gathered in worship on Sunday morning at my church, okay, First Baptist Arlington, I am, I am surrounded by incredibly talented and gifted people. True. Okay. Yep. Can't deny it. In all ways. We have some people who have 
the gift of hospitality in such a way that they just they just make people feel welcome, mm-hmm. and and they're sensitive to it. And Rus- Russell McCaskill it. yesterday yeah. brought somebody to me in the welcome, with the guest services where I work, yeah. and I'm just glad they met Russell first because right. he was great at doing that. I mean, just he, practically, he ha- kind of has that knack. Russell yep. has that. He he he's, wants to make you feel and welcome. he's willing to use it. Correct. So we have a shout lot out of to that. Russell if you're yeah. listening. Thank you. But 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 who would know that? In other words, mm-hmm. that wasn't done in front of the whole church. No. I saw him. He mm-hmm. walked by me, and I, and and I, and I felt like I knew what he was doing. Yeah. And it felt very much like, okay, well, that that is his gift. Mm-hmm. Wasn't done in the worship service in front of everybody, so nobody would have ever known it had you not just said something right. about it. But and think it about how important for that Russell's was. Sake. That's right. Look mm-hmm. how important that was, though, for that person that was made to feel welcome, brought into a conversation with people that could help them understand what's really going on here yeah. if they needed it. Yeah. Um, well, I'm surrounded by those kind of people every Sunday morning, and they are utilizing gifts all over the place. It just so happens that some of them are on the platform. Mm-hmm. And the gift they have is very public. I'm one of those. But we're not the only gifted, talented people in the room. Everybody's gifted and talented. And that was the message yesterday. We're all in this together. And that's why I love that that illustration of the three small bones in your middle ear. Mm-hmm. Without them, you can't hear. You may think they're not playing much of a role. Mm-hmm. Turns Until out. they don't show up. Turns out they're playing an incredible role. Mm-hmm. And uh, And, you know, so, for example, yesterday while I was up there on that platform, Think about Kyle and Zach and and um, Daryl Bernard was yeah, back all there. All these volunteers, and all mm-hmm. these folks that are there mm-hmm. and they're running the sound. I see Emily Robinson clicking through slides. Yes, they're, yeah, they're all in the background, and you don't know any of them are there. You have mm-hmm. no idea. But if we didn't have them, well, none of us would yeah. hear <laughs> what's going right. on. This very podcast. If we didn't have, and we have no idea what happens after we hit. That's don't, right. Don't we walk anymore. out here and go, "Woo, we did it! We, we did it!" And then somehow it ends up on the <laughs> internet like three hours later. The the hammer, that's the Kyle anvil, and the stirrup get mm-hmm. it and put it in a place where everybody can hear it. Well, that's the beauty of the church. Mm-hmm. We're we're all in this together, and that's what I appreciate about Eiffel. You know, when Eiffel dedicates the yeah, tower, yeah. About that he sermon. writes the names of seventy something yeah. scientists, mathematicians, all these different people. Their names are on that tower, too. That's why he wouldn't call it the Eiffel Tower. He called mm-hmm. it the Iron Lady. Mm-hmm. He, he, to him, it was he designed it and dreamed it. Yeah. But it wasn't his tower. But good on him to be but, humble enough to say this wasn't just me. That's exactly you know? right. Well, that's how it is. No, no, who does anything like that on their own, you know? Right. Because so, even your gift of preaching, which we would all acknowledge as mm-hmm. a gift, if no one was there to turn on the lights, open the doors, exactly broadcast right. it, that's you right. know, broadcast mm-hmm. it through the room, through mm-hmm. a microphone, but mm-hmm. also to the internet, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. cool for you to have that gift. But, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. we wouldn't, mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to advertise when people should show up. That's and, right. You know, all these basics. That's that, right. And even that everything that goes on around the yeah. church on a Sunday morning, my gift is one gift on display. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it, mm-hmm. it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But my goodness, think about all the teachers that were here yesterday morning. Mm-hmm. Teaching the Bible, right. all ages. Sunday school classes. All yeah. ages. Mm-hmm. Think about all the the people who have the gifts of service. Think about the gifts of administration. Think about some of the things that took place in the background yesterday that built structure mm-hmm. to who we are and gives a get offer us the offers us the means to real do, do real ministry in people's lives. But you didn't see it because it's just not on display. But without it, this place would be nothing. Yeah. One thing, and we joke about this, and she'll hate she'll hate me for saying this, but we're going to do it anyway, because I'm not the most organized. I'm not the least organized, but mm-hmm. it really helps me to have someone help me stay organized. Mm-hmm. And Jen Staley, mm-hmm. who doesn't even want us to say her name out That's loud, mm-hmm. is our is your assistant mm-hmm. I work very closely mm-hmm. with, and Jen keeps us organized. She does. And, and all the care mm-hmm. ministries mm-hmm. that we do at our church, organized. Incredible. Behind the scenes. Doesn't want to be in front, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. without her, mm-hmm. oof. Yeah. the wheels would come Think off. Think about it. So, yep. And I, that's, to me, that's what I love about the gospel, the church, 
the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God honors the dignity of, of God's creation, mm-hmm. you know? Well, that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so he gifts us all. We have yeah. roles to play that bring us a sense of purpose and meaning mm-hmm. and 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 allow us to realize we're a part of a greater um, endeavor mm-hmm. than we would ever come up with on our own. And yeah, it's just, uh, I, I love the church. And what I love about it too is that it's, it's not just a good organization. It's the instrument of God. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you're using your spiritual gifts, you're using them in the grand purpose of God. And as I said yesterday, you know, when I was in Alabama and you're working with all these NASA mm-hmm. engineers, mm-hmm. okay, they put a man on the moon. Awesome. And my goodness, I've always been infatuated Truly with the whole, awesome. oh yeah, yeah that whole world mm-hmm. is fascinating to me. Yeah. But we're doing something more important than that. We're, we're bringing heaven to Arlington. Mm-hmm. That's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. What a huge assignment, mm-hmm. you know, and in, in my little way. I'm participating in that, mm-hmm. and so are you, and, and so was everybody else. And I think that's a great invitation to be part of the community of God, mm-hmm. the ecclesia, the church, mm-hmm. and yes. not, you know, we can lean so individualistic mm-hmm. where you think, I don't need to come to church. That's right. I don't need to be a, me and my Bible can mm-hmm. do this. And that's, mm-hmm. I'm not saying you can't, mm-hmm. I'm not saying you're not saved or we're mm-hmm. not getting, no, that's right. not what I'm trying to say. Right. But if God has gifted us each and we can be a body together, mm-hmm. we can be more together than we mm-hmm. can be apart. And so it's Absolutely. a good invitation to... Find your people, mm-hmm. join church. Rededicate. Rededicate. <laughs> come back. Yeah, it could sound like an advertisement, but it's true. It's just true. And we want you here, yeah. or wherever here is. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's a small group mm-hmm. at someone's home, we want mm-hmm. you in that because mm-hmm. we believe you play a unique role mm-hmm. that people can benefit from. Mm-hmm. And we hope yeah. if you don't believe that, we can help you find it. Absolutely. So, yeah. a good word. Yeah. Well, boss, anything it. else you want to say to your church as we're talking about it? You know, just I love this place. Like mm-hmm. I said, I, I was thinking that yesterday morning. Um both walking around during the day, you know, just seeing various people in different places in the life of the church, but it gathered in worship as well. Just about the giftedness and the talents and the life investment of just so many good people. We do have great people. You know, it makes this church what it is. It's humbling to me. Mm-hmm. I love it. And I, I love every bit of it. I love the, you know, the the most private gift, if you will, to the most mm-hmm. public ones. And I love the fact that we do it together. And so when I'm when I'm in a worship service on a Sunday morning, um, I'm I'm not there to to hear a concert. You know, I'm I'm not there mm-hmm. to I'm not looking for uh, you know someone to to come in and just enthrall me. I'm in community with the people mm-hmm. of God, and I'm living life with them, and I'm I'm a part of their stories. Yeah. You know, and so even yesterday walking up on the platform in the contemporary worship service. Uh, two of the young ladies who were leading, I've known them their whole lives mm-hmm. almost. I've been their pastor for 21 years. And when I walked on the platform to just say a quick word to them about just I was glad to see them, we talked about their life. One of them is pregnant, and mm-hmm. we talked about where they are and what's going on with them, and we celebrated who God is and what's happening in their lives mm-hmm. right now, and I know them. They just mm-hmm. happen to be really talented musically. Yeah. you know. And so when they were singing and leading us in worship, it wasn't just that I was looking at them thinking, man, they're really talented. Mm-hmm. I was looking at them thinking, man, I'm so proud of them. I love them. Yeah. They're great people. Mm-hmm. That's the church. That's the church. Yeah, it's awesome. Church the, at work. The church at work. Mm-hmm. Our church at work. Our church at work. Yeah, it's a special place. It so, is. Well, I love, I love that. We'll put a pin in it. Okay. And we'll hop into 1 Corinthians 13 next week. That's right. All right. Thanks, boss. All right. Thank you all for listening.
Thanks for listening to the Tell Me More podcast today. You can subscribe to this podcast on your app of choice, or you can visit us at fbca.org to find out more information about the podcast and our church. Thanks for listening.